Hey, I wanted to jump in here and let you know that we have an introductory pricing going on right now up until May 18th. And what this is, is I have taken my courses and combine them all into a move better bundle. So you're going to be working on your feet, you're going to be working on your posture, and you're going to be working on your core, pelvic floor, all of those things. And you can save big. Right now, I am selling this for 50% off. So head to movingthroughmidlife.com. Click on the Work With Me link. It is the Moving Through Midlife program, your Move Better bundle, where you can start working on feeling better in your body. You also then get access to workouts, recipe guides, live sessions with me, and live classes with me throughout the month. So head to movingthroughmidlife.com, click on the Move With Me link, enter intro, and that will give you 50% off. I'm looking forward to it. Welcome to Raising Healthy Humans, a podcast created for busy moms, where you can easily find information on health and wellness for your family. Enjoy experts who share tips on how to raise children through each phase of life, Gather current information on nutrition and wellness and listen to Courtney, a health coach, movement specialist, and founder of FormFit, an active and supportive community where she helps busy moms move more. On Raising Healthy Humans podcast, Courtney shares her personal life experiences, training, knowledge, and conversations with other health and wellness experts so you can raise healthy humans. Today, I spoke with Dana of Parenting in Real Life. She is a parent and teen coach who helps families navigate and understand anxiety and ADHD. Even if you don't have a child who has been diagnosed with either of these, I would encourage you to listen in as you may have some aha moments like I did today. I hope you enjoy this interview and I really hope you find some valuable takeaways from it. It's definitely one that I will be pondering for a while. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Dana. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for joining me today. I wanted to ask you, how did you become a parent coach? Well, it's or parent and teen coach, I yeah, should say. Parent and teen, any any age really. Okay. Um, it's expanded. But I started because of something that I went through with my daughter. Uh, I just got on disability. And um, so I came home. I'd had a big job and was traveling. So I came home. And the good news from that was that when I picked her up from kindergarten one day, her teacher said, well, I'm so glad you're home. Maybe the stomach aches will stop. Um, I was like, oh, I haven't heard about any stomach aches. <laughs> so then when I was home, I was seeing indications that something was really wrong in that she was having tantrums, which, okay, she was, you know, five tantrums happened for, but it happened when she was um, transitioning or if a change of plan came, it was, you know, just, she couldn't handle it. Um, play date. She wanted a certain number of kids had to be small you know, all those things. So uh, what if questions, 
so I started thinking, okay, something's off. Mm-hmm. And so I started asking, the oh, I know. The other thing was not only was she looking anxious, she couldn't remember numbers. So as she got older and she was doing first grade and second grade, her spelling, she was doing it very oddly, couldn't get the spelling. And then she was calling her friend every morning to walk to school together when they were like fourth, third and fourth grade. And every morning she called her. And every morning she asked me what her t- phone number was. Hmm. I was like, huh, it's been a couple of years. <laughs> couldn't remember birthdays. Anyway, so long story short, I started talking to teachers. They didn't say, they said she was fine. She was perfect. She had a third grade teacher who used to be a special ed teacher. So I said, oh, well, she'd know. She's like, yeah, she's fine. She's great. She does really well in school. Well, she did, but she did hours of homework and she was, you know. So anyway, I ended up getting her tested. But meanwhile, family dynamic wasn't very good because my husband didn't really see it. He's like, everybody's saying she's fine. So she's fine. My mother-in-law is like, oh, you're just cobbling her you know, all these things. And there were so many blow ups, right? And then there were blow ups between me and my husband. And <laughs> it was just kind of not great. Anyway, once she got diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety and depression, there was something for her, right? So we could get her into the right therapy. We had tried several already, but we found somebody. We got her on medication, which was a hard thing to do to make that decision. So, you know, I'm not easy about that, but it was life-changing for us, life-changing. and life-changing for her okay. and she felt so much better. So when I was doing that, I realized that there was nobody for me. So we got her all set up, but there aren't therapists that know much about ADHD or certainly there weren't back when this was happening and there were no parent coaches. And you don't really talk about blowing up dynamics with your friends that much or that how hard it is with your kids, you know? So there was just nowhere for me to go. Nobody to teach me how to parent her. And clearly with these neuros differences, she didn't respond the same way. So how could I learn to parent her in a way that was effective and calmed us all down instead of being, you know, at each other's throats. Uh-huh. So that's why I did it. I was like, well, I don't want anyone else to feel this lonely and this um, alone and this overwhelmed. You know, it's overwhelming to have a kid with struggles and you don't know how to handle them. You don't know how to help them. Right. Right. So that's why. Okay. Did you notice or do you notice that many children who are anxious also have ADHD or? Oh yeah. About 35% of layover of crossover actually. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I find it interesting as well. I've recently heard that they've dropped the ADD yes. and it's now just ADHD. So yes. you could have a child who is not hyperactive and still be considered ADHD, correct? Absolutely. And the thing about ADHD that is so tough and, and tough in coaching, actually, um, is that it manifests differently in every single kid. Some get defiant, some get anxious, some get both, some get OCD, um, some are are hyperactive, as you said, and, and fidgety and all that, but others get so zeroed in that they don't hear anything else. Uh, some are quiet and kind of retreat. It's just, it's crazy how different everybody is. And so that's a hard thing to do is to figure that out and make sure your parent parenting that child right right in a way that works for them 
Right. Okay. Um, and how would you, how do you feel that you would uh, parent them? How do you feel, do you feel that you parent differently? I don't know. Do you have other children in the house? Well, uh, yes. So I have a okay. son. They're both older now, but okay. Um, yes. And it was hard for him because all the attention, it's really hard for the sibling and nobody thinks about the sibling really because you're all caught up in the child that needs all your attention. Right. Right. And the sibling has a hard time because they are always in these family dynamics that are blowing up. They are hearing tantrums all the time. They are seeing that the other child gets all the one-on-one attention. So that, you know, so that's tough for them, which adds to the whole dynamic. Right. Do you feel that you have parented them differently because of the diagnosis, so to speak? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. Um, I, I've had to, and I still, I still do. Okay. They're very different kids. And so I want to be able to have a close relationship with each of them. Right. And that relationship looks different. Okay. So if someone is being told that their child has ADHD, um, are there certain things that you recommend for them to make sure that they are practicing that might be different from the normal parenting? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I think the main thing is, and this is not different. This is for all kids, but I always have to say this (laughs) validation. You have to validate what they're saying and listen to them. So if it's anxiety and you don't get it and you're like, you're fine, just, you know, just go do it. Well, they can't. So that's not helpful. Okay. Um, With ADHD, same thing goes. So you need to take a pause and see, is this something that they can't do or is it something that they won't do? Mm. And the reason I say that, and I highly recommend that pause is because if you can clue in that it's something they can't do, that changes how you react. Right. And that's important for the kid, but it's also important for you because as a parent, I don't get as angry or as frustrated if I understand that this is something, a skill I need to teach them. Right. So that, that changes that dynamic right there. So that's one really important one, I would say. Okay. Um, the other thing is to keep your tone of voice even and try to stay calm, which is hard to do. <laughs> Again, pause. <laughs> you know, it's just it, that's really hard to do, right? So, um, another thing you can do is take time to speak out loud when you're going through something. So, one of the things that you don't really know about ADHD, well, not you, but people often don't know, and we're not told as parents is that um, it's not just a working memory or executive function issue. I mean, it is. But in that executive functioning is the organization and the planning, and those are really hard for them. But there's also this emotional aspect that I don't think people grasp at first, and that is that they are dysregulated. They cannot contain their emotions. That is a can't. They don't know how. So that's why they might be blurting out in school. That might be why they're interrupting. It might be why they're frustrated. Um, So when they are frustrated, that explodes. And that explosion is scary to them. So it's a tough thing to 
to get through because they're scared themselves and they don't have a way of telling you that um, because they don't necessarily understand it. Right. Um, one of the things as they're getting older, I mean, you should tell them about the diagnosis young, but, but the thing about as they're getting older is it actually helps them in that they can understand, you can make the lines connect. This is why math is hard. This is why you have social issue, friends issues, because they often um, ha do have friend issues. They often want have one or two really close friends, but they go in and out of groups. Sometimes they're drops, sometimes, you know. So that's important for them to understand so they don't get as frustrated. One of my favorite words is the power of yet. I can't do this. Okay, you can't do this yet. Let me help you. You know, that just 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 shifts that uh, frustration and tone of voice and can sometimes get them from up in their heads and emo emotional to, to calmer. Okay. Uh, it, it's really great if you can t start to understand their triggers also. So tune into that. Maybe keep a track record of what time of day was it when they had an explosion? Are they hungry? Mm -hmm. Feed them after school because yes, they are hungry, even if they say they're not. <laughs> right, right. Right. Just feed them. Um, things like that. Is it time of day? Is it food? Is it tiredness? Is it that they've held everything in all day at school and tried to be really good? And oh my God, they can't do it for more second. You know, right. things like that. Okay. Okay. Um, do you notice with the teens and parents that you are even children that you work with that um they may not have some of the difficulties that you're mentioning they're more anxious and withdrawn rather than being yes um, you know yelling and right yes that's where all that the how it manifests is very different right um some some are very quiet and insulated and um and when the anxiety comes in, for sure, then if they're anxious, they that's a dip, that's a whole. Well, it's not really a whole different look because some of it's the same, but it's um, it's not the person with the hyperactivity for sure. Okay. And you have um, you could be a sleep disturbances issues, right? That could be something that they have instead of the loudness. They could have um, withdrawing from their friends and peers and and the family. That can be it. They can stop going to school or having or trying to stop going to school. School refusal kicks in, um, and all of those things. They they can have ticks or hair picking or skin picking. You know, those are also part of anxious behaviors. Okay, part of anxious behaviors. Anxious but behaviors. doesn't mean not generally right. Okay, okay. No. Mm -mm. Okay. Huh. So, I'm I'm sure that you have seen a lot of children recently with more anxiety than what they used yeah. to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there tools or techniques that you provide parents with sure. to help during this anxiety? Yes. Um, I think one of the things with the anxiety is important is the supportiveness. So make sure that you are listening. And, and when I say listening, I mean listening, but I also mean listening to the silence. What's their mood? What is it that's triggering this, right? So is it 
is it school or is it something deeper that's just happened with a friend or are they worried about you? So they have um, anxiety. Um, so separation anxiety, which can show up as going to school or it could show up as not being able to sleep by themselves. Okay. So some of the things I teach them is a, how to recognize it, how to be supportive of it and understand it because if you don't understand it or if someone doesn't have anxiety, it's really hard to put yourself in those shoes right. because we're so taught to just say, get over it. Just go do it. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you know, we all do that. Right. Um, clear communication is really important. Using strength, starting from a place of strength when you're talking to them and show them the good things that they've done. Also, the thing point out that they've gone through this before and succeeded. Right. Well, you've been to school before and it was fine. Or if they're really having a tough time, try to compromise and negotiate and say, okay, you can go at for the half day today and I'll pick you up. But here's the thing about anxiety. It is so easy as a parent to want to protect them mm-hmm. and to take them away from these moments, right? So if your child, my child was super scared of dogs, like crazy. She literally jumped on a you know windowsill and wanted to jump out from a dog. <laughs> so So instead of taking her everywhere that there wasn't a dog, or avoiding the dogs on the street when we're walking, you have to let them be exposed. You have to not let them avoid it because here's what the avoidance does. It says, oh, I'm right to be afraid. It it completely supports that fear as opposed to saying, I'm strong enough and I have the tools to get through this. Okay. And some of those tools would be understanding all of this, A, <laughs> B, um, things like deep breathing, right? Um, taking a pause, um, explaining your feelings out loud. Where is it in the body that you're feeling this? Have you felt this before? Did you get through this before? Having a safe place for them to go to when they are really scared. So whether that is at school, they go to a counselor's office or the library for a minute, the ability to pull yourself away when you need that quiet moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really important to teach them. Find a place in your house that they can go to and be left alone and where they feel safe and cocooned. Okay. That's really important too. Okay. What about these children who may deal with anxious thoughts that are really unrealistic? Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that, I mean, a lot of the thoughts are. So here's the thing about both ADHD and anxiety, they have these racing brains. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them have this um, racing brain and rumination. And that can, that can be scary. Mm -hmm. To have a brain that goes all the time is exhausting also. So it's almost like sitting in the front row of a Metallica concert, right? And having all of this stuff coming in at you. And that's why you need the quiet places. That's why you need to, to learn how to breathe quickly so that you can do it for yourself at school. I mean, you can do longer ones, but there are things at school, for instance, or in per- that you can do to, to help yourself through that. Okay. To slow your brain down, you really need that. But you also need to understand and somehow find a way for somebody to get through to you that says, don't believe everything you think. Hmm. Everything you think isn't true. Okay. Just like what everything you read on the internet isn't true. So then you can walk them through one of their thoughts and 
and show them that they were successful or that it never happened or or here's why here's the chances of that happening um which is great to do when they're in a calmer frame of mind mm-hmm. it is hard to get through to kids in a panic attack right you can't at that time you can really just hold them if they'll let you and breathe with them because here's the thing that if somebody is holding next to you close their heartbeat their nervous system will echo yours okay so it can calm them down without even them realizing it. And a lot of times they may be fighting at first, the holding, but in general, it's very calming to them. If you can't do that, then you have sort of a, I give people a little toolbox of things that they could say, right? Um, music that you can give them to play that calms them down. You know, they often have little things that that work for them and it's practice. And that's what I do with, my clients actually is practice something new every week and find the things that work and then build on those because self-esteem takes a hit from all of this as well. So, you know, that's important to be always making sure that you are validating them and praising them on the things that they are accomplishing and pointing that out to them because they get a lot of negativity. Why, what do you mean you're scared or why can't you just sit still, you know, whichever it is, um, it's a lot of negativity. And so their self-talk can really go down the rabbit hole of, right? And like, why can't I do this? I'm so stupid. You know, this is so, so easy for everybody else and all those things. And you want to try to stop those, right? So I work on the self-esteem and the self-advocacy as well. Okay. Okay. Now for families um, where you have like a child who is very anxious and a parent who's also very anxious. Um, what could you then talk to the parent to help them? Because I feel like, and I'm speaking about myself here. <laughs> but, so my yep. son gets very nervous about my, one of my sons gets very nervous about everything. Um, and it's always, uh, you know, I mean, we've dealt with brain eating amoebas. Like it's that kind of okay, ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, now that we have, uh, the internet, you can look everything up. And so therefore you can scary with everything. (laughs) And then, you know, for me, obviously the brain eating amoeba one is a little far-fetched. So I'm like, you know, I'm not worried about that, but then there's also the, I feel a lump here. I feel this. So how do you, how does a parent who's also dealing with anxiety, because once my child tells me he's anxious about something, then I start in that cycle too of anxiety. And oh my gosh, what if, you know, something yes. is really wrong with him and I've got to get myself under control and now try to get him under control. And yes, is it all it, the same? Like find a quiet place. You know, in a way it is very okay. similar. Um, and, and I can't tell you how many parents of anxious kids I do teach. I, I, I work with both of them, right. not together, but both of them, right. um, each of them, because because that happens. Right. And if you've had your child harm themselves or whatever, then, of course, you're super anxious about it. So, yes, there's there's a lot of um, trying to work in meditation, whether that's actual meditation with an app or whether that is getting out in nature. Right. So one thing that really helps anxiety is feeling the ground under your feet. Mm-hmm. So I teach some grounding skills to parents. Um, and I also do things like, because because when they're anxious, 
they also start to get that mom guilt, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you, you <laughs> understand that, but no, yeah, um, yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so what can they do about that, right? So write down one thing every day that you did that was successful. That could be if you're in the midst of kind of hell, that could be getting dressed or getting your kid out the door to school, right? It doesn't have to be something massive, but doing something like that, finding 10 minutes a day to do something for yourself. I have like list of self-soothing exercises. And, you know, if you're near water, put your hands in water if you're having a panic attack mm-hmm. or if you feel it coming on, feel the water. That can be really calming. Actually looking at water, if the, you know, if you're at the sea, whatever, go somewhere in nature, uh, take a walk, movement helps. Mm-hmm. All those things. Okay. And would you recommend for those families, like if both of them are anxious to encourage them to do it together or should they Mm -hmm. kind of be separate at that point? You know, it depends how old the child is, right? Because if it's a really young child, you're going to be doing different things. Uh, They're not going to necessarily understand everything. But in general, absolutely. I think I think everybody should learn these tools, right? I mean, we all we all feel anxious sometimes and Mm -hmm. and. Um, so yeah, doing things, teaching your child to breathe, teaching your child to take a time out, teaching your child to take a pause and check in with themselves. Um, teach them that if they are having a problem, if they're worried, if their brain is racing to write down what it is, right? So one thing I, I think is really helpful and it sounds, you know, it sounds super easy and silly. Like how could this work? But I'll tell you, it really works for my, the kids in my groups, um, is writing down everything you're anxious about at night, everything that you're worried about the next day or whatever, write it down, either put it in a box with a top on it, put it in another room, get it out of your bedroom. You feel a lot better. Yeah. The racing brain, racing brain calms. It doesn't go, you know, it's not going to stop it dead probably, but um, a lot of my kid clients are like, oh my God, that really works. Mm -hmm. And they can go to sleep. And they don't wake up with that dread. Right. And I've noticed for myself, and I think maybe this is how I learn, but um, I just, I want to talk about it. Like, I just mm. want to get it out because I'm not a writer. Right. Um, so I don't know if that would work would so well for me. But even as a child, like if I was anxious about something, I would just start telling my mom like, and then this, you know, like, and then what if this happens? And she would just sit and listen to me. And I felt okay. like that was like half of what I needed was just to get it out. Yes, exactly. And how you get it out, it can definitely be talking. That's what I was talking about when I said, you know, support and validate, just listen, right? Right. Just let them do it. And then, and then instead of saying, well, none of that's going to happen, you say, yeah, I totally understand that's scary for you. Um, you know, I see how scary that would be. Let's find a way for you to calm down. Okay. Is How it, can I help? Is it bad to then offer like, well, you know, there's only a one in a billion change. <laughs> you know, well, that's it's not, 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 it's not helpful, particularly okay. at the okay. moment. It is what we all do. Right, right. <laughs> that's my daughter. Yeah. yeah. Mom wasn't the best. Um, <laughs> it, because right, if they're at that moment and they're anxious, they're like, yeah, whatever. That doesn't help me. Okay. It doesn't change how I feel. Right. I'm not being rational right now. Like these fears aren't rational. And usually they will know that as they're saying it. But right. 
but they can't just sort of change from irrational fear to listening and taking in the actual facts. Okay. It's just their brain isn't open to that right then. Right. When they're anxious or in a moment, they are not able to regulate and um, problem solve. Okay. They're, They're not in a place to be able to do that. Gotcha. Okay. Would you recommend or would you say that for families that may be noticing that their child is anxious or may struggle with ADHD, is there a reason to get that diagnosis? I mean, obviously, I understand extreme situations where it's uncontrollable, but on a reg, you know, like on a normal scale, like, do you recommend everybody see someone just to get a diagnosis or? Uh, well, I don't recommend that for everyone. I do okay. recommend it for anybody that is concerned that their child has this. Yes. Okay. Um, has either ADHD or anxiety. And here's why. Okay. Cause it's a pain to get it done and it's expensive right. and um, you can try to get the school to do it. Uh, if the school but schools, sometimes if it's public school, that can be difficult. They they don't want to do that because then they're paying for it and everything. So that can be hard, but you absolutely have the right to ask for it. Okay. Um, and the reason why I recommend it is because then they can, once they have that diagnosis, parents can understand what is happening, first of all. So there's a big diagnosis, like you get this overwhelming thing to read and it just makes you terrified and you think your kid's never leaving the house. Which, which is why I do this. Um, <laughs> uh, but it actually gives you information. Okay. Information that's super helpful, uh, both to the parent, but also with school, if they are anxious or have ADHD, they can have accommodations. Okay. And they should have those accommodations because it's just putting them on the level playing field, right? So you would give somebody aspirin. Um, some of the things that you could do for them is... Um, extended time on tests, uh, sitting in a, a good place where it's less, you know, wherever is better, which is usually in the front of the class. Um, you could even take tests in a different quiet environment. Um, you can ask for written assignments instead of just having it on the computer. You can take pre-frequent breaks. You can do progress reports back and forth from the teacher to the parent. All of those things. Being able to record a class listen to it back. Um, The ability sometimes to doodle in class. So someone else is taking notes Mm -hmm. because you, uh, somebody with ADHD or anxiety, both uh, actually focus better when they're drawing, sometimes it's listening to music, but, Mm -hmm. um, and the instinct as a parent, if if you're trying to have a conversation with them and they're sitting, you know, doodling and looking at the drawing is to be aggravated. You know, it's like, listen to me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, small tip. They are listening to you better mm-hmm. by doing that. So all those things are, are you you have the option and that option stays with you. So once you've had that diagnosis, even if you don't need the accommodations till high school, you still have that diagnosis. Good to know, because, you know, um, everything you're saying right now is just like it's these <laughs> Aha moments. Um, yeah, because, I hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, and my my son, 
he's dealt with anxiety. Like when you mentioned the stomach aches, he dealt with the stomach aches. If I would leave for anything, I had to go away one time. He was sick throwing up because he was so nervous. And we've always known him to be an anxious child. I was an anxious child. So I've just kind of blown it off. And And some of the things that you're saying here, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done something because he's in high school now. And we just had the new testing that they're doing. And they had a certain period of time to read a certain amount of, you know, paragraphs, whatever, answer certain questions. And he said, I had 40 minutes to read whatever, six paragraphs, whatever he said. And he's like, I just, it was, it was not enough time. I just felt, and he has never struggled in a subject, which is why I've never thought of like needing Mm. to do this. But I wonder if we could have gotten him some accommodations because some of the other things that he has said to me over time is like making me realize that this may be more than what I thought it was. So that, sorry, no, that I was just going to say, so what you say, like for any listeners, if there's a question, Mm. it might, be worth it just because you never know what the future will hold with them. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you, you were not alone in the high school thing because so many parents realize it in high school. Well, actually it's the kids, right? So, so what happens in high school is the parents take their steps back or they're supposed to anyway. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Um, The, the homework is harder. There's more of it and they have to self-advocate which they don't really know how to do generally. Right. So unless we've thought about it and taught, taught them. So it often pops up in high school and that's okay. You can have them tested in high school. Um, a, a lot of people do, and then you can still adjust. You could also try, and I don't know if you've done this and, you know, but parents can also talk to the teachers and set it up and just say, Hey, my child has anxiety. Um, this is when they were younger, probably in high school, but um, and try to set up a conversation there to allow for it, even without the testing. But the problem is that it does get worse in high school and then college. Mm -hmm. So having the testing gives you information, validates your kid. So I'll tell you one thing. Kylie was thrilled when she got the diagnosis because she knew she knew something was wrong. And um, and that's where the self-esteem hits. Right. You're being told you're trying to tell people something's wrong they're not seeing it and so all of a sudden it's not that something you don't have a reason for being like this you're just dumb right right and you don't you know we don't want our kids feeling that way so so it's actually that validation that there is a diagnosis is is super helpful to all of you right with school or without school but then definitely with the school so yeah it yeah i would say Try the diagnosis because okay. it can be super helpful for all of you. Okay. And yeah. the other thing let me say for the parents out there, if follow your gut, moms, because I was a little late to the party. I tried and tried and tried and tried, but I was a little late to the party for getting her diagnosed. And that is a big regret. And you know your kid best. Mm-hmm. So even though your husband or your parents or your mother-in-law's or the schools don't think you're right, stick with it, fight it. Just go with your gut. You know your child the best. The one other question I had for you was 
in regards to my son and just something he had said, and maybe we don't have to speak about his specific situation, but it might be um, something that other moms notice as well. So we were talking about, and this was kind of like my aha moment. This was a little bit deeper than what I ever thought it was. Mm -hmm. We were talking about, so he's of the age where he can go get his um, permit to drive. And he Uh said, mom, I just don't know if I really want to go get my permit because it seems like driving is such a mundane thing that I'm going to lose focus and not pay attention. Oh, wow. That, uh-huh. Yeah, that's, a, that's an aha moment for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For because that, her, for he him is, to realize he loses focus if he's bored, I would say, run, go get him diagnosed. <laughs> I, okay, okay. Well, see, and the problem is his grades are always, we, there is not mm-hmm. any, Same there has not been indicators. Anxiety, yes. Some questionable things that he did as a child that made me think, what are you doing? You know, like that kind of stuff. But that was my aha moment. Like, hmm, really? You don't? So I'll tell you, I'll actually ask you a question. Okay. When when he needs to do something mm-hmm. and you just say, go do it, or he has to do his math homework, is it easy for him to sit down and start? Or de- or is his, yeah? Yeah, he gets it done. I mean, Exactly. And math is one of those subjects, like he just, it's very easy for him. Uh, they got that from their father. All three of my yeah. children are great in math. <laughs> it's not me. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, he is, he does not have a problem sitting down and doing. That's I great. think okay. it's once he's in school, maybe, I don't, I don't know. He loses focus. Yeah. Daydreams or whatever. Yes. Yeah. 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 Really common. Um, so the, the driving thing is interesting because, well, both because he said, I'll lose focus if I'm bored. (laughs) That was interesting, but, (laughs) and very self understanding. I mean, that's, that's great Mm self-knowledge. Um, and kids with ADHD in general drive later. So if, if a child has ADHD and I'm not saying yours, but they're about three years behind is how to think about it in their ability to do executive function things. Okay. So that focus, that organization, that staying on top of something, um, even their act, how they act and sometimes their friendships. If you look at them and you think, oh, so immature, why can't he do this? And then in your mind, you take three years off and say, is is that the age he seems? Probably because that's honestly where they are. They're generally three years behind. Okay. Uh, that doesn't mean they wait three years to drive. My daughter actually did get her license on time relatively. Um, But she didn't love it. And if she didn't take her medicine, she probably would have had a harder time of it. Okay. I I mean, now she doesn't take her medicine all the time. So she kind of figures that out herself. But um, driving is hard because it is, it's hard to stay focused all the time on this. And so I remember her saying, well, it's so hard, so hard to drive. You have to stay focused and you really have to concentrate the whole time. Oh, and, and yes, I mean, they're not wrong, right? Right. <laughs> but it becomes more natural to us once we, once we're doing it for a while, of course. Right. Um, but they do need that extra time to learn it probably. And they shouldn't have their friends in the car and, you know, for, for a while. Right. Uh, they shouldn't have music on. They shouldn't have an app on, even if it's a Google maps. The problem is there is that 
you're still looking at the map mm-hmm. or you're listening to something and that does distract them, even though they don't feel that it does. Okay. Uh, so those are things I actually wrote an article on this and all about sort of the, the top 10 dangers of driving with teens. Okay. You know what those issues are. Right. Can yeah. we get that article? Sure. Is, is it like a blog post that you have? It is a blog post. Okay. Okay. We'll get that link and we'll make sure to put it's that in the blog. show notes. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. This, this has been so good. Um, you answered a lot of questions for me personally. Yeah. Some good questions there. Yeah. So um, hopefully Hope this okay. has helped other listeners as well. I think that you provided some amazing aha moments for moms. I mean, especially me. I so. <laughs> so can you leave our listeners with, if there was one thing that they could do right now to help a child that might be struggling with anxiety or ADHD, what would that tip be? That tip is validate, 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 make them feel seen, heard, and understood because then you have a connected relationship. Once that time comes and goes that you are not understanding them or not showing them understanding and they then that connection starts to break and they won't come to you with it anymore and i think as they're growing up the one thing you want is to be connected to your child because you can help them um can i leave a second tip sure (laughs) (laughs) um be their advocate always be their advocate because you know them you you know learn go get a coach or go learn a lot online because you do need to advocate and they do need help and that doesn't go away okay um my daughter just graduated magna cum laude from college so they can do it but that doesn't mean she didn't come home and now is having a struggle right because that's just go find a job right so it doesn't go away and you want to keep that connection that's really all that matters now how can we find you where can we can I, my blog is parentinginreallife.org. Okay. Um, and I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Parent in Real Life on Instagram, Parenting in Real Life on Facebook. Um, I have a YouTube station. I, I'm out there. I, but I also write a lot for um, other, I write a blog for another site. I write blogs for lots of sites. Uh, so you could find my writing as well if you search it probably. Um, and if you're interested or you need a coach, call me, I do a free call. I'm happy to chat, see if it would work for you or not. Um, happy to do that. And I'm opening a parenting circle in October. Okay. So that will be a group of moms and dads, parents who could use a little connection, understanding and support because it's not easy to go through all this. Okay. And is that, is that like a course or a program? No, it's a generally a support and coaching group. So it'll be twice a month on Zoom with me. I'll do some one-on-one coaching for first come first served. And then you learn from each other, right? And we need that validation. We need that understanding Mm -hmm. ourselves. And we don't necessarily get it from our families or from our kids anyway, right? Right. So I think it just, you can learn and you can relate. And I think that's really great for people. I've been having a lot of people asking for that. Okay. (laughs) And we'll make sure that all of that information is in the show notes as well. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day for this.
This has been great. I love talking with you and I hope people found this helpful. (laughs) Yes, I, I think they will. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast. I hope you found this information valuable and hope that you can immediately use some of the information that was provided. Make sure to check out the show notes for all of the links that we discussed today. As a mom myself, I understand that at times you can feel alone and are looking for a sense of community. It is my goal to help bring moms together to find each other, to help support one another, and also help raise healthy humans. That is why I've created a Facebook group. It is free for you to join, and you can go to Moms Raising Healthy Humans. I also have upgraded our membership portal for you if you are interested. I now have three tiers because I want to make sure that everybody is moving more no matter where you are. So the first one, if you happen to like our weekly movement snacks, you're going to want to join our first tier. It's $5 a month and you will have a daily movement exercise that you can do. If you want to move even more, you might want to try one of our other memberships where we go even deeper and you can join us for live Zoom classes. Remember, it is my goal to help bring moms together in a healthy and supportive community, and I feel like that's what I'm doing with the FormFit community. So head to FormFit, F-O-R-M-F-I-T, online.com to see our new website and to learn more.